door of all creation. Water, earth, and sky. The heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the Lord on high. God of wonders beyond that. to our worship service and we're glad you're present today and and god bless you for being here those who are tuning in through our live stream we welcome you as well sorry for our little delay in getting started just takes a little time as we get going so be patient with us on that but we're glad you're glad you're tuning in each and every one and and you know we we're blessed we're blessed because uh, of god's grace god's god's wonder uh you know god's mercy and his kindness and we have the opportunity to also share that grace and love and kindness to those around us. So uh, thank you for being here, and thank you for tuning in as well. So let's pray together as we worship. Father, we thank you that you give us opportunity, opportunity to share together in, in worship, whether we're in-house in here or we're in the comfort of our homes. And we thank you that you're allowing us to be able to be a church body, uh, to gather together, to, to worship together in many different ways and forms. We realize that this may not always, hasn't always been the, the most um, expected thing that's happened in life, but yet we thank you for the technology uh, that allows us to be able to share together. But Father, today, as we worship you, may all the distractions of our heart and our mind just dissipate and that we, we focus on your love, we focus on that grace that is very, very operative and very powerful. We want to thank you for the, the, your taking care of us and your provision and your care. And may your name be lifted up and may your name be blessed above all things. And we just want to say we love you 
And we thank you and we worship you in your name that we pray. Amen. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's of worth That will bless your heart I bring you more than a song For the song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus Endless worth and to have express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours, every single breath. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. Search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it And it's all about you about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Today I want to bring a message to you that's entitled, A House Not Made With Hands. A House Not Made With Hands. In Acts chapter 7, verse 44 through uh, verse 50. And in looking, basically the message comes from the exact wording that's in verse 48. But a house not made with hands. More importantly, in this day and time, we understand that the house of God has really nothing to do with the building. Now, the building is important as we gather together like we gather in house. But then you ask the question, if that is the only way 
we worship. Then we leave out all of you who are tuning in through this stream. And so what I want us to think about is not think about a church being a building. I want us to think about a church being the tabernacle. You say, well, what's the difference? I thought the tabernacle is the temple. Well, it is and can be used in, in connection and conjunction with that same idea. But I want us to think about the true meaning of what it is to tabernacle with us. As the scripture says in John chapter 1, uh, verses one chapter 1, verse 14, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us or tabernacled among us. And so what is the meaning and what is the understanding of the tabernacle of God? The tabernacle that exists with us and the tabernacle of God that exists within us. And so as you think about the tabernacle and think about God, uh, God being who he is, the God of your life, I want us to think about that house that's not made with hands, but a tabernacle that God puts forth for each of us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so in Acts chapter 7, verses 44 through 50, it begins in verse 44, our forefathers had the tabernacle of the testimony in the desert. Now, the tabernacle here in their mind is a physical, is the, you know, the physical movement of a tabernacle, okay, that they've created, much like the Ark of the Covenant. Just as he spoke to Moses, commanding him to make it according to the pattern he had seen, our forefathers in turn received it and with Joshua brought it in when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers until the days of David. He found favor in God's sight and asked that he, would, he might provide a dwelling place or a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built him a house. However, the Most High does not dwell in the sanctuaries or dwell in the tabernacles made with hands as the prophet said. Heaven is my throne and earth my footstool. What sort of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is my resting place? Did not my hand make all these things? Well, as you read that passage and hear it read, it reminds us of Yes, the physical, the, the, the location of something that people could see. Now, the beautiful idea in the Old Testament is that they built this Ark of Covenant. Inside the Ark of Covenant were various things as well as the tablets of stone of the Ten Commandments and a few other things that, that, that indicated the importance of the presence of God. And as long as the Ark of Covenant was with the people as they traveled through the desert, as they inhabit the land, as they left Egypt into the desert and inhabited the land, they realized that God was with them, that God in his power and his presence was with them. So it was very important that they saw the Ark of the Covenant. It was very important that with the time of David, there was the dream about building this beautiful tabernacle or this beautiful temple. 
And it wasn't until the time of Solomon that Solomon built this beautiful temple for all the people to worship. Again, representing the presence and the power of God. Representing God with the people. And yet all of this takes on different meaning when John steps up to the plate in the Gospel of John in chapter 1, verse 14, and says that the tabernacle, that, that, the, that the flesh, God was in flesh, given to us and tabernacled among us. It's interesting, the same word tabernacle that's used in the New Testament is the same word equivalent to that in the Old Testament that speaks of the physical locale of a tabernacle. And so now we're asking the question, what does God mean? Is it that much, is it that important that the only place to recognize God's presence is in a house made with hands? Or is it a house not made with hands? And so the exciting news about it is that wherever you are, and this day, wherever you are this very day, whether you're tuning in inside this place or whether you're tuning in the living room or you're out on the beach or you're traveling, listening to it in, in some form or fashion. The question is, is God with you? Absolutely. God is tabernacling among you as we speak. So what is one of the most important elements in a Christian's life? The most important element, I think, one of the most important elements in a Christian's life is the place of dwelling for God. You say, well, that just sounds like you're talking about, again, a house made with hands. No, listen to it. The place of dwelling for God. Now, the key is, am I, am I constructing within my own heart a place where God can reside? Now, we look to build a, a beautiful building and hopefully very soon we will begin that process and we will build a house made with hands. But we can build it as an elaborate temple. We can make it as attractive as we want it to be. But if we're not preparing for the dwelling of God in that building, then we're just building a building to look at. And so the question remains is, if we as born-again believers aren't preparing the heart that God has given us, the heart, the inner core being of who we are, if we're not doing something to prepare that inner being for the dwelling of God, then it's just another being. And so God is looking to inhabit the, the residence of you and me right where we are. In fact, he wants to tabernacle among us. He wants to be in fellowship with us. He wants us to be in fellowship with him. He wants us to recognize him as Lord and to recognize him as Savior. He wants us to, to be that people that open our heart and our life in such a way that it is inviting to God to know that this is my new dwelling. And when does that new dwelling happen? It happens when a sinner calls out to God and says, I have sinned and I am need of a Savior. I cannot save myself. 
and, and I, I ask, Lord, that you save me from my sin and grant to me the gift of salvation. Well, that's when we say to God at that moment, God, I've got a dwelling for you. And hallelujah, that dwelling is in my heart. And I am inviting you to be a part of my life. I want you to be a part of my life. I need you to be a part of my life. I need the tabernacling of God the Father with me. So I think the most, one of the most important elements of a Christian's life is the place of dwelling for God, prepared for God. All right, now let's think about this tabernacle for just a moment. I want to give you a couple things. I want us to think about the purpose of the tabernacle, and then I want us to move on to thinking about the focus of the tabernacle. And first of all is the purpose of the tabernacle. And so you ask the question, why is there a tabernacle? Why is it important in Old Testament and New Testament that the tabernacle is mentioned? The Old Testament, the tabernacle being a physical place, a physical building. In the New Testament, that, that spiritual building. Well, number one is to become a sanctuary of worship. A sanctuary of worship. You say, well, that sounds like you're speaking about a physical building. No, I'm not. I am and I'm not. Yes, it's important to have a temple. Yes, it's important to have a place to worship, to have a sanctuary that we gather together as a body in Christ and worship. But we're also speaking about the sanctuary within our heart, the sanctuary that, that opens the door and says, I'm ready, God. The sanctuary, the door of our heart that says, I need you to reside within me. And as you reside within me, I am preparing the sanctuary every day so that when you enter into my sanctuary that I've invited you into, that you will find it a place that you will want to stay, that you will want to identify, that you'll be pleased with, that it is a pure place, it is a holy place, it is a place that says, I need God in my life and I don't want you to leave. It's a sanctuary of worship. So the tabernacle is that sanctuary. You find in, in Exodus chapter 25, verses 8 through 9, it says, they are to make a sanctuary for me. This is God talking to Moses. They are to make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. Now here in Old Testament, we're talking about the physical locale. We're talking about the building. We're talking about the sanctuary made with hands. But we're talking today about the sanctuary not made with hands. We're talking about where God is invited in and permeates the existence of who we are and, and changes the DNA makeup spiritually of your life and mine. And we begin to take on the character and qualities of that worship experience of God in our life. And it becomes beautiful, that sanctuary within. I've heard wonderful stories over the last several weeks. And some of you, and I, not to share anything personal about it, I think you would be okay for me to say this. You have found places within your home. And you've found places in your, your Carolina room or your back porch or under your tree. I've heard all those stories that you didn't have before this pandemic. And now it's a precious place because it has become a small sanctuary in your life where you are saying, God, 
I am inviting you into this presence of who I am this day as I worship you in this open air or I worship you in this place in my home or this place that I've designated as my quiet time with you. And it's become your sanctuary. And you've enjoyed it and and you see it and it's something special now in your life. I'll tell you a little story of how our minds get caught up in the remembrance of good things. Every time I cut my grass, there are two people that come to mind every time. And it's because these two people called me when I was pruning the grass many weeks ago and I happened to have my cell phone and I picked it up and started talking. One of them was Johnny Williams. He called me one, one day and I was in the backyard trimming this little crepe myrtle that we're trying to, to get it to grow. And every time I go and start cutting the grass around that crepe myrtle, I hear Johnny's voice. And so Johnny, as you know, we love you, and, and you know how powerful prayer is. And you believe in prayer. And so while I'm going around that crepe myrtle, <laughs> excuse me, kind of emotional. But as we go around that crepe myrtle, <clears throat> I pray for Johnny. I don't know what's going on in his life at the time. I just pray as I'm going around that circle, cutting around that tree. And I say, every day, I don't know, it's just boom, yow, it comes. The second person that comes to mind is Dave Rennie. I was trimming or pulling grass and weeds around a little sega bush that we have in the backyard. And when he called one day, I picked up the phone. And every time I get to that sega bush and I start cutting the grass, Dave's name comes right back to the forefront of my mind. It's amazing how the mind connects you to spiritual things. And when you have that special place, that you've designated, and many of you have, and it's wonderful, and it's a wonderful testimony that you've shared with me and others. When you, when you move from that place and you go about your day, and let's say you got real busy and you neglected the discipline of that time of worship, I promise you, when you walk back into the home, your mind is going to go back and say, oops. I left something out today that was very important. Your mind will take you back to your tabernacling experience with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Second of all, the purpose of the tabernacle is the presence of God. In Joshua chapter 4, verses 10 and verse 11, there is yet another mention of the tabernacle in the Old Testament of where God is revealed once again in Scripture in Joshua chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. The priest carrying the ark continued standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything was completed that the Lord had commanded Joshua to tell the people in keeping with all that Moses had commanded. 
Joshua. The people hurried across, and after everyone had finished crossing, the priest with the ark of the Lord crossed in the sight of the people. Now, why would they take the ark of covenant and stand in the middle of the Jordan? The reason why is that they, they, they knew the power and the presence of God had to be with them. They knew that in order for the Jordan River to stand still, for them to cross over, that they had to have God's work, God's miraculous work, just like he did with the Red Sea. But for them to symbolically stand in the middle of the Jordan with the, the Ark of Covenant on their shoulders meant that they were saying, God, your presence is, is a necessity for our survival in this Jordan River. And so the tabernacle, it says to God, when we prepare the tabernacle of our heart, we prepare the sanctuary of our heart for God to, to possess, to make different, to enter into. We're saying to God, I recognize the powerfulness of your presence. I recognize the necessity of your presence in my life. And so the presence of God is the tabernacle experience, whether it be a house made with hands or a house not made with hands, has to do with the presence of God. A third purpose is the focus involved in the tabernacle. In 1 Kings chapter, one, chapter 6, verse 1, as well as verse 19, Solomon, it says, Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in the 480th year after the Israelites came out from the land of Egypt in the fourth year of his reign over Israel in the second month. Now, in verse 19, he prepared the inner sanctuary inside the temple to put the ark of the Lord's covenant there. So Solomon built this elaborate temple that was beautiful, and it was big, and it was to God's glory, and it was, to, and it was for God's existence, and it was to, to recognize to everyone, pagan nations around them, that this is our God's. But it's unique that he took the inner core of that sanctuary and he created a center focus. And the center focus was to take the Ark of the Covenant that they carried with them for many, many years to recognize the presence and the power of God and they put the Ark of the Covenant in the center of that temple to recognize what the focus is the house made with hands, the house not made with hands, if it's not center focused on God, it's just a building and it's just a being. Your, your heart has to be centered upon God. The heart has to have a focus in God. If the heart is not focused on the Lord God, then it's not an inviting sanctuary and an inviting place for him to tabernacle. 
So you've got to focus on that. That's why it's so important that when we prepare the sanctuary every day for his entrance, <laughs> that you and I recognize he is the focus. Now, there are times in my life that I, I just say, I've got to go to the Lord in prayer. And the moment I do, I just pour out everything that's on my mind and I start requesting of God. I think sometimes he might be saying, Benji, I know what you need before you say it. Can you just, just, just worship me first before you ask me to do something? I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it in my time, and I'm going to answer it my way. But just take a chill pill and focus on me for just a moment. And as you focus on me, what's going to happen is the things that you are getting ready to request probably aren't going to be necessary to request anymore because you'll probably see them in light that maybe they're not as important as you thought they were when we elevate God to where he needs to be. And we make him the center focus of that tabernacling experience. You remember, it's a dwelling for God, a sanctuary for God because of the power and the presence of God with its center focus on who he is. So, those that there and there's more, but I'm just putting all of this in a lump sum of the purpose of that tabernacle, a, ha a house not made with hands, but a made from the heavens that God gives us and grants us that He lives and resides within the human heart. Now let's talk about the focus. Now we just mentioned the center's focus. Now let's expound upon that idea and and look at the focus of the tabernacle. Now go back to John chapter 1 in verse 14 that we've already made reference to a couple of times. And in John chapter 1 verse 14, it's the description of, of Jesus. It's the description of how he came into the world. In verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now jumping down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and took up residence among us. Or your version may say, and he tabernacled among us. We observed his glory, the glory of the only, the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. And so the focus of the tabernacle is that he's among us. He's among us. I'm very aware every Sunday, Every time we gather together in a worship experience, I'm very aware that I am, I shouldn't even be given the privilege of being a pastor. It's all his grace. There's nothing that I can do today that I can do in my own strength. I'm still that shy little boy that wants to go hide in the corner and not interact with people. I'm still that shy, timid who doesn't have confidence in himself. All those old nature and qualities are still there, and I'm very much aware every week that I stand, whether I stood without anyone in the building or I stand with those who are in the building right now, I'm very much aware of my inadequacies. But I am so thankful that God moves beyond my inadequacies he moves beyond my psychological evaluation of who I am and he 
is able to do something and I recognize his power and I recognize his presence and I recognize the fact that he is among us. And when you enter into that worship time and you're one-on-one with God, you've got to realize that he is among you. He is among you at that very moment as you cry out to him and say, God, I'm mad today. Or God, I'm joyful today. God, I have a need today. God, I worship you today. Whatever you do and however you communicate to God, you've got to realize that he is among you. He's with you at that very moment. He's with you right now. And whatever and wherever you are, and whatever state you're in, he is with you. The focus of the tabernacle, it's also keep in mind to never take your eyes off the cross. The cross is the focus of the tabernacle. One of the reasons why I like this cross behind me and I like the cross in front of me is to remind me that every Sunday I am in between the two crosses that I cannot do what I do without standing behind the cross and standing in the shadow of the cross. And you and I must realize that the tabernacle is focused with, part of the focus of the tabernacle is the cross. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 through 14 It says this, Now the Messiah has appeared high priest of the good things that have come in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, listen to this, not made with hands. That is, not of this creation. He entered the Holy of Holies once and for all, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood having obtained eternal redemption and for the blood of the goats and the bulls and the ashes of the heifers sprinkled those who are defiled, sanctify for the purification of the flesh. How much more with the blood of the Messiah who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And so our focus of the tabernacle, the focus of God among us is the cross. It is through his blood that we have open communion. It is through his blood we have a great mediator. It is through his blood he becomes the high priest. It is through his blood that we find redemption and we have redemption. It is through his blood that we can bow our knee before the Father, bow our head before the Father. We cry out, Abba, Father. We say, Daddy, here I am again. It is through cross, the experience of that redemption that we have the tabernacling among us. God is a tabernacling God. He's not a far distant removed God. I'm thankful that through this pandemic, many people have found God. And yet they are finding source of strength beyond measure. They're finding power beyond a degree of their thoughts. They're seeing the imaginable become 
visible. They're seeing that which they could not see before become reality because of the tabernacling experience of God being real in their life. God is all about revealing himself. And he's all about blowing our circuits and blowing our socks off sometimes just because of his power and his might. And he knows that. He knows that when we realize that he is among us, we realize the focus is all that we have in and through Christ and through his blood. He knows that when we get to that point and we recognize that we are nothing compared to who he is. And it is at that point he might smile a little bit and said, I've got him right where I want him and now I'm going to really make it good. God is a God who wants to tabernacle with you every day and with me every day. As long as we keep the focus that he is the reason for that tabernacling experience and the cross is the basis of truth. Third of all is the mediator. To keep in mind the mediator whom God is. In Hebrews chapter 9 verse 15 as we continue to read from that last passage Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called might receive the promise of the eternal inheritance because a death has taken place for redemption from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. He becomes the mediator. Have you ever been in the court of law and someone has mediated for you? In other words, a lawyer stands up and pleads your case on your behalf and mediates to the juror or to the judge in a hearing or to the parties around the table and they begin to mediate and it's almost as if you are a fly on the wall and they're speaking about someone else and you realize, oh, wait a minute, he or she's talking about me, why don't they just let me express my opinion? Well, they know if you try to express your opinion, you're going to open up a can of worms that you can't get back in, and you may get squished in the process to let someone else mediate for you. In other words, communicate your basic needs. Do you remember the two disciples? They said to Jesus, hey, Jesus gave me a little elbow. You know, they were doing social distancing then. Gave me a little elbow and said, hey, Jesus, when you get into your kingdom, is there any way that I can sit on the right or on the left? You know, we can be your, your right and left-hand men. And Jesus says, well, it's not for me to determine. But at the same time, they were recognizing that Jesus was their mediator to the Father. They were recognizing the power of what was with them. They were recognizing that Jesus had the final to say and decision for their personal life. Whether their question was selfish or not is not the point of the story. The fact that they were looking to Jesus for the answer is the recognition that he is our mediator. I think when we tabernacle with God, or as God tabernacles with us, and we recognize that we have a mediator through Christ. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. 
we have a mediator in Christ who represents us. It says, he or she's mine. It's through the mediator I have become his son, the son of the father. It is through the mediation that you have become the daughter of God. Because of the death, as the scripture says, of the death that has occurred for your own personal redemption. And it's through Christ. You remember, this is all about the focus of the tabernacle. When all of this comes into mind and heart and takes residence within us to permanently affect our thought and belief theologically that God is among us and crosses the focus and he is the mediator, that tabernacling experience becomes a beautiful experience. Your yard becomes the worship center, not made with hands. It becomes a place for God to exist. Your, your Carolina room becomes alive as your sanctuary. Your bedroom becomes alive as a sanctuary. Your office, wherever you are, your car, the place that you come to worship in this place, this building today, becomes a beautiful place of tabernacling. We are tabernacle experiences, every one of us one right after another. I've heard you say, you've heard me say, we said, hey, let me tell you something I discovered. Something I found in scripture, something that just came to me while I was praying to God today or something just happened. What's happened is God's tabernacle among us revealed something to us. It's excited us from the deep, deep within. It's changed the person we are and we want to share that experience with someone else. So the tabernacle, we're tabernacle experiences, one right after another. And fourth of all, in that focus and last, is that, and, and probably the most important thing is that the tabernacle, the head of the tabernacle is God. We are the body of Christ under the head who is Christ. We are, without the head, the body can't function. We'll be a headless group of people going around trying to find our purpose in life. But with the head attached to the body, it all comes together and it comes alive and it becomes the body of Christ. The head. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through verse 18, it says this, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, because by him everything was created in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. If, that's, if you hold to that literally, that means you and I have been created by him and for him. He is expecting to tabernacle amongst his creation. He wants the created beings to have a sanctuary inviting for his to take up residence within. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. So he has created, 
His being that he has created, it is for the purpose of him taking residence up in that creation so that from the, from the beginning of time to the end of our time on this earth that you and I know that he is God, that he is real, and that he is the focus, that he is the center, and that we have created the sanctuary that is inviting for him to be so that he may take first place in everything, that he becomes the priority of everything. The tabernacle is good. It's not the physical locale of only God being here and we've got to go find him. The tabernacle is about Jesus taking up residence in our life and wherever we are, he is. And you and I understand the visible and the invisible. That all things are possible with those who believe. And that what others can't see, we can. The lost can't see what the saved can see. But when they see what the saved have seen, then they understand that God is the God of the visible and the invisible. That he is a miracle worker packed with power. That he is a God full of grace and mercy and truth. Yes, <laughs> he, is, <laughs> yeah, he is a God full of grace and mercy and truth. So God is a God all about wanting to tabernacle with you every day and with me every day. So when I look at this scripture and I look at the house not made with hands, I'm so thankful that I don't have to go find God at a certain place, that I can experience God in that one place, my place where I'm at. And it can be under a house made with hands. It can be on top of the house made with hands. It can be in the house made with hands. It can be outside with no house at all. God is all about tabernacling. So let me ask you this. What will you choose as your focus today? What will you choose as your focus? Now, again, you know, it's, it's, it's not a question to cause you to think, oh my goodness, I haven't had him as the focus of my life. It's not that, that question. The question is, is if there is something out of focus, just like in a camera lens, you just, you turn the lens a little bit and you get it into its sharp, sharp picture. And so the question is about getting it a little bit sharper. It's about knowing that you are seeing through your viewfinder God, but he's not the center of that view. And you turn the focus just a little, and all of a sudden he becomes the main subject of that frame. So what will you choose as your main subject today? So that when you choose rightly, when I choose rightly, what's going to happen is the tabernacling experience of God among us is going to take a whole new dimension. And whether you're cutting around a crepe myrtle 
or whether you're trimming up a sega bush, something's going to come to mind to remind you that day of what's important. And if you miss your tabernacling experience, it will draw you back to it. And you'll say, ah, oh, it's like I should have had a V8. Ah, oh, it's the aha moment. The light come on and all of a sudden you worship Father God. You worship God the Son. You worship God the Spirit and you realize who he is and what he's about and what he's doing for you at that very moment. So what will you choose as your focus today? I'm so glad, so thankful that God is a God who knows everything about us and still doesn't run from us. <laughs> now let me give you this thought. I firmly believe that you today and I today are already God's focus. So why not let him be our focus today? Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you this day is a day in which we recognize what's important, that we recognize your grace, that we recognize your power, that we recognize your presence, that we recognize your might. We recognize the fact that you are excited to have fellowship with each of us. That you're excited about wanting to permeate who we are. To, to blow a circuit within us if you need to. That you're excited to transform our mind and our heart into the character that is in line with who you are. Father, thank you that even in our sinfulness you enter our presence and you clean us up. That even in our aggravation you enter our presence and you change our thoughts. That even in our depression you enter in and you bring to us substance that brings us joy. That you enter in when we're selfish among our own needs and you transform them as we look out the window and see the beauty of all that you've given us. Father, thank you God that you are and a God who relishes in the tabernacling experience with every believer, with every child. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for who you are. In your name that we pray, amen.
guys, those who have tuned in today, we want to give you a challenge. And as you've listened to this message, if you've never committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, we want you to do that today. And we want to help you. And it's simply by saying, Lord, save me, I'm a sinner. And come live inside my heart. Because the Savior is waiting for you. And yet we're here to help you. And we, if you make that commitment by saying, Lord, come live inside my heart, we want to help you. Call the number, 843-828-3333. And we will get back with you. If you have to leave a message, we will, we will expedite it, chase you down if we have to. But we want to help you. We want to pray with you and guide you through the process. It doesn't matter what state you live in. You can live out of the United States or in the United States. You can live next door to where we are now or live uh, miles away. We'll help you. Just give us a call. Give us a chance. God loves you. God cares for you. And so today is a day in which we celebrate what God is doing in each of our lives. So give us a call and let us help you.